From the outside, seeds may look like they're pretty inactive. But the process of a seed turning into a seedling, which is called germination, is both complex and amazing. All seeds need oxygen, water, and the right temperature to germinate. But some Aussie plant species take it even further and require things like smoke, fire, or animals to sprout. And understanding those germination requirements is critical to conserve plant species. Hey, I'm Vanessa Fuchs, and in today's episode of Branch Out, I have a chat to Dr. Nathan Emery from the Australian Botanic Garden, Mount Annan, where he's based. Nathan and some other colleagues from the Australian Institute of Botanical Science and UNSW published a paper in the journal Annals of Botany earlier this year. Keep listening to discover how they created a data framework for predicting seed germination under climate change using a thermogradient plate. Well, uh, before we jump into uh, that that research paper, I just wanted you to give a kind of summary. I mean, you've been on the show before, but um, it has been a while. So maybe just kind of sum up what your particular area of research is and I guess, yeah, how did you fall into that place? Well, it's always been an interest of mine as a, as a young kid to work in environmental science and developed a, a passion for, for researching plants, working with plants in particular. Since I've worked at the gardens, my, my passion has, has moved into translocation restoration work. My job title is restoration biology officer, so I do a lot of work around threatened species, translocations, trying to supplement populations that are in decline, but also to introduce new populations in more secure land tenure to ensure that we don't have these threatened species go extinct in the wild. Yeah, so was there a defining moment or was it that you just, you know, grew up in nature? Like, can you pinpoint anything or did it just kind of all just fall into place, like, really gradually? I think it was a gradual process. My my dad would take myself and my siblings out to national parks and reserves around Sydney to catch cicadas as young kids. And, you know, looking back now, that's essentially what sparked my interest in the environment and it really wasn't until I guess my undergraduate years at university that I developed my passion for plants and seeds in particular. I, I bought the, uh, the the seed bible from, from the Baskins um, to do some literature review work and I kind of read that cover to cover and just kind of fell in love with with seeds um, from then and it just yeah that's it just spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> And, and that's what we want to focus on is seed germination. And you say it's an important part of a plant's life cycle. I guess maybe kind of explain why and, you know, what, what those key factors are that makes a seed germinate. I mean, you know, I'd say I'm okay at gardening, but like, you know, my concept before coming and working here was like, just put it in the ground and, you know, soil, water, sunlight, boom, that's all you need. But maybe you can kind of, you know, talk about a bit of that complexity yeah the, the sort of the, the wild species that we work with are a little bit more complex a little bit more sensitive than say um, your typical cultivated species you know your lettuces your carrots and and uh, other agricultural crops that are bred to have high germinability be very consistent in their germination and success because um, we want to maximize our 
outcomes and our profits from from those so the, the seedling state the seed stage is the most sensitive or one of the most sensitive stages of the plant life cycle seeds are, are highly sensitive to a number of environmental factors um, some of the the obvious ones are temperature and and water availability but also things associated with the soil so the seeds of any particular species can vary quite quite significantly between populations or even between individuals of that species. So in our work, we're really trying to have to uncover those window of con- environmental conditions that um, optimise germination for a species. Yeah, so, you know, you touched on it just now, that, that difference between, you know, like the crops and some of the, na- you know, the native species. But is there a particular species that, you know, is super difficult to germinate that's still maybe a mystery or needs really specific conditions or orders of things to happen that kind of springs to mind? Yeah, well, there are, are a lot of them and that's great because it keeps um, my job interesting day to day because there's a lot of unknowns. For me personally, working with Pisunia species has been quite quite interesting, quite, quite tricky. They have quite complex dormancy mechanisms. So we've got seeds that are protected by, by woody endocarps, which are very, very hard. Some of them require... 40 to 50 kilos of pressure to crack when they're freshly dispersed from the from the plant. So in the lab we have to remove that endocarp which takes time. We do that in a uh, bench mounted vise and once those seeds are cracked we then surface sterilize them in a in a bleach solution and then we need to determine what temperature regime we then incubate those seeds on in in the lab so that takes a lot of time and it's quite a complex um, process to sort of uncover what um, temperatures those seeds require for germination. Coming up after the break the effect of climate change on seed germination and Nathan explains exactly what a thermogradient plate is and how it's used. This Saturday, the Sydney Science Trail is kicking off at the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney from 11am to 3pm. Celebrate all things science with a free interactive program of talks, outdoor activities and hands-on science fair stalls. Sea science come to life with fizzing experiments and hair-raising demonstrations and get up close with wildlife. You'll also be able to meet scientists from the Australian Institute of Botanical Science the University of Technology Sydney and the Centenary Institute as they take you through educational activities that will amaze the whole family. Join free tours to learn about First Nations medicine, see rare plants in the orchid nursery and visit our plant clinic and learn about the conservation work of botanic gardens. For more info, head to sydneysciencetrail.net.au. So if, if temperature is one of those key drivers, what does that mean then in you know the context of climate change for, for, for species, not just here in Australia, but, but around the world? Yeah, it's a, a major concern for a, a lot of plants um, across the globe. So we're expected to see global temperatures increase on average by, you know, one and a half degrees in the next 
so 30 to, to 50 years. So unless species are able to adapt and, and cope with those increased temperatures, then we're going to see significant changes in the timing of germination and the number of seeds that are able to germinate under those increased temperatures. And that's going to lead to changes in um, recruitment events, to changes in vegetation and ecosystem structures, which is going to have a lot of knock-on effects in our environment. So there's a lot of, you know, we're not going to say trial and error, but, you know, you, you're trying to crack the, the code of the seed germination, you know, the traits and behaviour. What were the typical, I mean, you touched on it a little bit there, but maybe some of the more traditional things that people have to do to, you know, figure these things out? Yeah, at its most, I guess, simplistic method, we would bring in a, a collection of, of seeds from, from the wild, um, process those, do some viability testing on them just to make sure the, the seeds are viable in the first place, because if they're not viable, they're obviously not going to germinate. And we would take a small subset of, of seeds from that collection and germinate them at a constant 20 degrees in, a, in an incubator, that's kind of our, our standard germination test for a sp uh, collection that comes in. But we do find for a lot of species that that basic 20 degree uh, temperature is not optimal for, for germination. We might uh, take that up another um, uh, level of complexity by taking several seed batches and germinating those or incubating those at seasonal temperatures. So we get temperature regimes that reflect winter, um, a warmer temperature regime for summer, and one that's representative of, say, autumn and spring, that kind of happy medium. And we can then start to tease apart when we might expect to see germination in the wild and what temperatures um, are conducive for um, optimising germination success of a particular species. Okay, so that's in the lab. Are there any, you know, in what do you call it, in situ? <laughs> when it's you know done in, in the field, like could you just keep going back and monitoring throughout the year or, or is that just like super time intensive? It is very um, time and labor intensive, but we can control it a little bit by doing seed burial trials in which we'll take um, little subsamples of the seeds and bury them at the local site and we'll uh, exhume bags of those after several months over uh, uh, over a period of a year or two years but again that requires more time more effort because we've got to go back to the site sometimes these sites where the pot where the plants occur are very very remote they take a whole day's worth of travel to get there so it's it's more efficient for us sometimes to conduct that work in the in the lab which we can do over a shorter period of time so let's get into then what you've used and you used a thermo gradient plate what is that in a nutshell before we look at what exactly you did with it the thermo gradient plate is essentially a metal plate which is heated on one side and is cooled on the perpendicular edge so it creates this gradient of temperatures usually from about five degrees celsius all the way up to 50 degrees celsius on the thermogradient plates that we have, which are bi-directional, we can then program this heating and cooling to basically flip on its side completely. So that allows us to create constant temperatures and also alternating temperatures with and without light. So we can effectively ex incubate seeds under a wide range of, of conditions 
and not just those that they experience in the wild, but also hotter and cooler temperatures. It's exactly like our traditional incubators, except we're working with uh, a single metal plate rather than like your typical kind of fridge um, type environment. Yeah, that sounds um, quite efficient. That's cool. So can you give us an overview of the experimental design, like what exactly you did? Yeah, the thermogradient plate has been around for almost half a century, but it's really un been underutilized for research and for seed um, biology research in particular. So what we wanted to do was to create a, a method to be able to accurately and confidently analyze that data. So what we did was we, we set up seeds of, of three different species on the plate. We only actually used half of the plate set up in kind of like a triangle grid. So each cell in those grids experiences a, a temperature that's unique to that cell. And the difference between those cells is in, in terms of temperature is roughly the same. So we only use half of the plate because we want to expose the seeds to warmer temperatures during the light or the daytime effectively and colder during the night. So seeds on the other half of the plate, it'll be flipped over, which doesn't make ecological sense to have the hotter temperatures during, during the night and cooler during the day. So with traditional incubator experiments, we use say four Petri plates of 25 seeds and each of those Petri plates is what we call a replicate. So the more replicates we have, we can get an average and then we can analyze that via traditional statistical means. On the thermogradient plate where you've got one metal plate on the bottom, if you stack plates on top of it, there's gonna be quite a significant difference in temperatures that those plates are gonna uh, be exposed to. So we really can only have a single plate on each cell. So this means we need to um, use the seed within the plate as the actual unit of replication. If we have 10 seeds on a, on a plate, if we have five of those seeds germinate, then our final germination for that temperature in that plate is 50%, five of 10. The uncertainty and, and, and lack of confidence around analyzing that data meant that we really wanted to make something that was globally relevant and could be used by anyone um, who has a thermogradient plate and wants to, wants to um, analyze that data. Coming up with a statistical method to analyse the data and how all this information can be potentially used in restoration projects. All that coming up after the break. Prepare to be amazed by plants and the incredible work that goes into saving them in our What the Flora video series on YouTube. In each episode, you'll get up close with plant life and the experts dedicated to understanding and protecting them. From hand-pollinating tiny endangered orchids with toothpicks to battling plant diseases with DNA science, What the Flora is your chance to see our science and horticulture in action like never before. Subscribe to the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney's YouTube channel and hit the bell to be notified of new episodes and to join the live Q&A when the new episodes premiere. And what we did was to use a method called generalised additive modelling. So we've got all this information, all this germination data for a species under a multitude of, of different temperatures. So we want to be able to predict germination anywhere in between. 
So that's where this statistical method comes into its own and enables us to predict germination response to temperature and then we can use that information to extrapolate and predict germination under any potential uh, temperature regime that anywhere in the world. That's so cool. The key here is the, the statistical stuff that you've done with this experiment. Like, I, I actually thought it was more about the thermogradient plate itself, but it's more about like the, the data analyzing and all that complex stuff that, you know, goes a little bit over my head, but. So does this link up at all um, with Restore and Renew? Are we getting this sort of stuff in the hands of people running restoration? I don't know, like, is it still, I don't know, still too new it is we're, we're at the we're at the at the very beginning of it but the the, the opportunities are I, I think enormous so if we have optimal germination under um, summer conditions for example then we can provide that information and say this is the time of year that you should be undertaking your direct sowing in order to maximize your your success and look to see how the germination response might vary depending on on different genetic neighborhoods the approach that we're doing is is essentially what we call curve fitting and and predicting so it's a means of exploring our data and summarizing it in a form where we can say okay this is what's predicted to happen under current and even future temperatures if we're seeing a potential seasonality shift predicted in the future for a species then we may just want to you know keep that in the back of our minds or highlight that species and go okay well maybe we need to spend more time dedicated to monitoring that species in the wild to actually see is that predicted shift in its seasonal germination actually happening and okay, well, we need to actually do something about it. Whereas if we've got say a eucalyptus species, which is just germinating um, consistently from five degrees to 50 degrees Celsius, um, not a problem. We can sort of say, okay, that one, you know, may be okay um, in the future. And we can focus on these that have more specific conditions for germinating. So yeah, the, the potential is, is, is great and we're really only just sort of um, scratching the surface. But any way that we can, you know, standardise our approaches for this type of work, I think will we'll only benefit everyone. Scratching the endocarp. <laughs> the surface of the endocarp. See, I'm listening. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Thanks for listening to Branch Out. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit follow and leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps more people find Branch Out to discover the surprising world of plants. Now, Branch Out is going on a little three-week break, but we'll be back on the 9th of September with an awesome Fast Flora Facts episode. I'll also be at the Sydney Science Trail event at the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney this Saturday, running a Branch Out podcast listening station where you can come and chill out and sample some of our best episodes and also have a chat to me about podcast making and science communication. I'm Vanessa Fuchs, and this episode of Branch Out was produced by Dan Butler. <laughs>